Hello, everybody, and welcome to That Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Bill Yankovi, and, well, got a pretty uh, big week here. Got Extreme Rules coming up this Saturday, and also Bound for Glory, which is tonight. So I'm going to be previewing both of those shows, plus going to be talking about the incident that took place uh, on Wednesday in Washington, D.C. with Sammy Guevara, pardon me, and Andrade, and talk about that whole situation, which is just crazy in itself. Um, but I do want to begin uh, talking about uh, the passing of Antonio Inoki. Uh, I know that it was last Friday when it happened, but I never got a chance to get on to record a show. I've been kind of busy, so, you know, that's why I really wasn't on. But uh, Antonio Noki passed away this past Friday at the age of 79 years old. Um, he, you know what, Let, let's just say it. He lived a pretty incredible life, um, both for professional wrestling and in Japan and you talk about the influence that Antonio Inoki had in Japan and I was thinking about this uh, the other day as far as influential people in Japan for pro wrestling he is easily Top three, all time. Maybe not. Maybe not as far as in ring ability goes, but as far as just having an influence on so many people, he's in the top three. Um, it would be him, Ricky Dozan, and Giant Baba are. The top three. And you could put it in any order, and I think you'd pretty much have a pretty good argument that, you know, your order would be right. Um, Antonio Inoki's career began in 1960. And his last match as a professional wrestler was in 1998. And... My gosh, he's such a huge star in Japan. He wrestled for the Japan Pro Wrestling Alliance, which was the organization that Ricky Dozan ran before Ricky Dozan had passed away after being stabbed. And then he broke away from there and created... New Japan Pro Wrestling in 1972. And he was the head of that organization for over 30 years. And then in that time, he went into politics, uh, was in... He, he was in their Congress for Japan. And he had done that pretty much the remainder of his life until he... Um, well, actually, until a few years ago. So, he wasn't there until the end. But, Inoki 
is someone who did a lot of good things, but also did controversial things. Obviously, the most controversial thing he did was the wrestling show in North Korea back in 1995, which was talked about, was documented on Dark Side of the Ring last year. And, you know, how basically, if you think about it, that event kind of, kind of cost him uh, his position there. But, you know, the things that he did, he did the mat, or the fight with Muhammad Ali in 1976, which, while it might not be, you know, considered an MMA match, it was kind of the forerunner of what would become mixed martial arts, become MMA. And I've seen that fight. It's not the greatest fight in the world, but I don't think it's as bad as everyone makes it out to be. But again, that's just me. So, But one of the things that he did was... When he knew he had a star, he let that person become a star. Either it be in the heavyweight division or the junior heavyweight division. And that's one of the things with New Japan that they did so well. Even, you know, when Anoki was around and then even after he had left, was their junior heavyweight division was unfreaking believable. The talent that they had. You know, you, the original Tiger Mask, Dynamite Kid, Bret Hart, Davy Boy Smith, to name a few in, in, the, in the early 80s. And then as you go on, you know, you get Jushin Thunder Liger, you get uh, Pegasus Kid. And then you have others coming in like El Samurai, Great Sasuke comes in. And they had really for, I would say about a 20-year period, the best junior heavyweight division in pro wrestling. They lost it for a little while in the 2000s when pro wrestling Noah had a hell of a junior heavyweight division with Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Naomichi Marafuji, Kenta. But New Japan's kind of regained, I think, the title of best junior heavyweight division in Japan um, the last 10 plus years or so. But that was one of the big strengths of New Japan for so long was the junior heavyweight division, and Anoki was in charge of that. And he, they just ran so well. It was it was incredible. Um, to go through his account... Well, first off, I want to mention the, the wrestlers that he trained. And a lot of these names, you're going to know, and they ended up being pretty big stars. Akira Maeda... Bad News Allen, Bad News Brown, Brian Adams, later be Crush, the original Tiger Mask, um, Hedy Kawaori, 
Hiroshi Hase, Kazuyuki Fujita, Kaiji Muto, Kengo Kimura, Masahiro Chono, Masanobu Kirisu, Naoya Ogawa, Nobuhiko Takada, Osamu Kido, Riki Choshu, Rocky Romero, Shinsuke Nakamura, Shinya Hashimoto, Tadeo Yasuda, Tatsumi Fujinami, Tion Bing, Tetsu Toshi Goto, Victor Zengive, and Yoshiaki Fujiwara. So he trained some pretty big names, or that would go on to be pretty big names in um, professional wrestling over the years. But his accomplishments, you know, championships, I, I want to go through that because it's always very interesting. Um, in the Japanese Wrestling Association, a four-time co-holder of the NWA International Tag Team titles, all four times with Giant Baba. Four-time co-holder of the All-Asia Tag Team titles, three with Michiaki Yoshimura and one with Kentaro Oki. Uh, in the National Wrestling Federation, held their heavyweight title four times. In New Japan, he held... The IWGP heavyweight title, the one that was just retired a year ago once and held the original version of it twice, was a co-holder of the NWA North American Tag Team title, the Los Angeles Japan version, uh, once with Saiji Sakaguchi, held the Real World Championship one time, won a bunch of tournaments there, um, held the Texas heavyweight title was a co-holder of the World Tag Team titles in Texas with Duke Kiyomuka, held the uh, United National Championship one time. Let's see what... I uh, Held the Mid-America version of the World Tag Team titles with Hiro Matsuda, held the UWA World Heavyweight title in, uh, in Mexico, and this one... I, I love this because it's like, it happened, but it didn't happen. He held the WWF title. He beat Bob Backlund, um, and, but they never recognize it. WWE, to this day, has never recognized Antonio Inoki winning the WWF title from uh, Bob Backlund in 1979, even though Corey Graves... He did mention it on the show last week uh, when they got the word that he had passed away, but still not going to recognize it, even though it did happen. Uh, he also held the World Martial Arts Heavyweight title two times, and then the amounts of Hall of Fames that he's in. Uh, a Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame, Class of 96. WWE Hall of Fame, Class of 2010. WCW Hall of Fame Class of 1995, uh, the recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and the recipient of the Stanley Weston Award in 2018. He was a recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award from Tokyo Sports in 1989, a member of the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame and Museum Class of 2009, uh, a greatest 18 club inductee in New Japan Pro Wrestling, a member of the International Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame Class of 2021, a member of the George Trakos Luthez Hall of Fame Class of 2005, and a recipient of the Luthez Award from the Cauliflower Alley Club in 2004. 
Look up Antonio Inoki. Um, this man did it all. He did it all in Japan. And I think it's pretty safe to say that no one is going to be able to replicate any of the things that Antonio Inoki ever did or ever will do. It's pretty hard, but this man really did it all. Uh, Antonio Inoki passing away at the age of 79 last week. Uh, truly, uh, truly an inspiration in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, pretty great, great individual. May have made some bad decisions at times, but, you know, we all do that. But Antonio Inoki will be missed. Um, Some rather unfortunate news came up yesterday and that is uh sarah lee who is mostly remembered for winning season six of tough enough the last season of tough enough passed away at the age of 30 at the age of 30 at the time of this recording there has been no word as to what happened um we don't know yet it, it might be a little while before um we find out maybe we never find out not really sure um 30 years old that's that's way too young i i mean it's not that you know let, let, let's be honest. Sarah Lee was not going to be, you know, like she never she never made it in WWE. But it's okay. That that's not the story. What she did eventually, she ended up getting married to Weston Blake, and they ended up having th three kids together, and. I, I I just feel it's one of those things where it's like, damn, this young girl, this young lady is gone and left three kids behind and her husband behind. And it's just so sad, you know, you, you know, three kids. 30 years old um it, it really is sad it is absolutely sad and what has come out of a sad news has become positive because um bull james who was in nxt he set up a gofundme campaign to help pay, you know, for the memorial. Folks, as of this recording, as of this recording, they have raised over $75,000. Not $7,500. $7,500. Thousand dollars 
$75,000. They had a goal of 20000 And they, as of right now, have raised over $75,000 to help this family. And this just goes to show that, you know, there are people that care in this world. There are people who, you know, want to help. And it doesn't matter if you donate $20, $10, $50. I've seen a lot of people donate thousands of dollars. But the fact that there are people in this world who some of them may not have known Sarah but to have come and donate together $75,000 plus shows what a tight community the wrestling world can be when you can come together and help people at their absolute worst when they're at the bottom you help them out and it's just absolutely wonderful and I think that's what we need to see as not not just wrestling fans but as individuals to see that you know when someone has passed away a loved one and they need help here comes people that'll come to help you and i'm i'm glad that in 2022 that we can see that people coming to coming together to help out and it, it just, as a, as a human being, it makes me happy to know that people have come together to help donate, to help a family in this m- most difficult time. Um, I mean, I've seen over the last couple of years in my life where you know you you have a friend and their kid loses a you know a father loses a mother I cannot imagine that thought I absolutely cannot imagine that thought going on right now and this this charity this help just shows how much good there is in the world that people can help other people even if they don't know the person i wish 
there were more people like that in this world. And I wish they'd do it for more than just when someone passes away. Do it when people aren't feeling healthy, when they're fighting cancer, when they're dealing with losing a home, lose, you know, or they lose everything. That's what we need more of in this world today. But the story here is the fact that so many people have come out to donate, to help this family. And um, like I said, you know, this is a sad story, but this sad story can be turned into a positive. And we're definitely seeing it with this. Um, the link for the GoFundMe campaign is in our Facebook group if anyone wants to donate. Um, please check it out. If you want to donate, uh, more power to you. Absolutely. WWE announced yesterday a change of commentary teams, and it is going to go into effect today. Um, this is a complete shakeup, and I'm going to go through each of them. For SmackDown, the commentary team will be Michael Cole with Wade Barrett doing color commentary. Uh, Pat McAfee's, you know, doing college game day right now. Samantha Irvin is the ring announcer still. Interviews will be conducted by Kayla Braxton and Mega, Megan, Mor Mega, Mega Morant. <laughs> Megan Morant. Uh, Monday night on Raw, Corey Graves will still be the color commentator. Kevin Patrick will be the play-by-play -play man. He will be the lead announcer for Monday Night Raw. Uh, Byron Saxton will be go will be doing uh, interviews backstage. Mike Rome will be the ring announcer, and Kathy Kelly is returning to WWE to do backstage interviews as well. Uh, Steve Miller is a very happy man with that. Um, I I think I know what he'll be doing on Monday nights. And on NXT, Vic Joseph will still be the commentator, the lead commentator for NXT. The new color man will be Booker T. Alicia Taylor will be the ring announcer, and Mackenzie Mitchell will be conducting the interviews. Uh, just want to mention real quick, congratulations to Vic Joseph and Mackenzie Mitchell, who got married this week. And for the premium... At Extreme Rules. I like this change up here. It's going to... I think the Raw team is going to be the most interesting one. Because Kevin Patrick, I think, did commentary one time on Raw. I want to say. So, it'll be very interesting to see how that goes. But I, I kind of like the new pairings. They're going to the two-man commentary team which is well deserved it, it needed to be done it just needed to be done so uh be interesting to see how this all works out all right so this past wednesday uh aew 
they're in Washington D.C. do are getting ready to do dynamite, and they're and they're in D.C. for um, rampage and battle of the belts tonight. So on Tuesday, there was a Twitter argument, and maybe I'm putting that very nicely, between Sammy Guevara and Andrade. And it, I think it had something to do, if I remember correctly, it all had to do with a match that they had and Sammy saying, you know, how Andrade was hitting too hard. So they get into this argument on Twitter and they are both told by AEW, you guys keep it. You know, if you get into, if something happens, do not get into a fight. Just do not get into a fight. So Wednesday comes, and we have a backstage altercation. So I'm going to read what TMZ had reported at the time. So again, you know, TMZ. Sometimes not necessarily the best news source. Sammy Guevara and Andrade were just involved in a backstage altercation, sources tell TMZ, and Andrade has been sent home. We're told the incident happened backstage at an AEW Dynamite show at the Entertainment and Sports Arena in D.C. Wednesday. Sources tell us words were exchanged and then things turned physical. Sammy allegedly pushed Andrade and punches were thrown, according to our sources. It's unclear if anyone was hit. One sources, one, one sources, see, what the, what a great word there. Anyway, one source are adamant the altercation was not part of a storyline. As for the reason for the fight, the guys have been in an intense beef that spilled over on social media. Our sources say several wrestlers are pissed at Sammy for publicly airing personal or private issues and things just boiled over at the arena. Andrade posted somewhat of a cryptic message on social media that says, Respect me and I'll respect you. So that is what TMZ reported. Then our good friend of the show, Josiah McDonald, um, who works for F4W Online, he uh, cleared it up a lot better on our Facebook group. And I, and I, and I want to read what he wrote. So a lot more has come out since then contradicting the TMZ report. Almost all accounts but the TMZ one agree that Sammy did nothing and Andrade attacked him, punching him twice. Sammy refused to get involved or retaliate, and Andrade was pulled off and sent home. The general consensus is that Andrade was trying to get fired, and Sammy was an easy target to manipulate. Andrade and Sammy were told on Tuesday that if they got into a fight at Dynamite, both would be sent home. They also made it clear to Andrade he wouldn't get fired. Andrade and Sammy agreed. Then they show up and Andrade ambushed Sammy, attacking him. Everyone at the scene, barring the person talking to TMZ, 
agree that it was Andrade that started it with his interview calling out Sammy, his initial tweets, and now throwing punches to a person not defending himself. Sammy's tweets were dumb, but Andrade was clearly at fault here, and AEW did exactly as they promised. They sent him home. Sammy was not sent home because he really did nothing. And to kind of go even further into that, Sammy was in the main event of Dynamite this week and even scored the winning fall of the match. Craziness, right? So, um, so basically, after reading it and then getting into a better conversation with Josiah, and again, thank you, Josiah, for clearing this up. Um, Andrade's at fault here, clearly. And... You know, Josiah and I, we talked, and and basically, Andrade wanted to get fired so he could go back to WWE because his wife is there. I don't really think, at this point in time, WWE is going to want Andrade. Not after this. I do think, to this, today, uh, Sammy can still be immature, he can still, you know, act childish, but for him not fighting back kind of shows maturity here. And with Andrade, it's just, dude, just, you know, suck it up, honestly. I just feel like saying, suck it up. Um... Now, Andrade, before Wednesday, was scheduled to face number 10 from the Dark Order in a mask versus career match where if Andrade lost, he was gone from AEW, and if number 10 lost, he would take his mask off. But that match has been scrapped. Um, I don't... I think... This is the end of at least the Sammy Andrade drama for the time being. I don't know if Andrade is going to try something again in the near future. Because he signed a long contract. I think it was like a five-year contract with AEW. And yeah, AEW hasn't really used him to his best abilities, which I agree, you know, you should do that. He's a very talented wrestler. I'm not going to take his abilities away. But it's almost, you know, like you, you, you have a problem. You have to settle this problem. And I think we're getting to the point now with what happened in Chicago and what happened Wednesday. I really think Tony Khan needs to sit down, realize he can't control everything. Just because this is your company does not mean that you are going to be able to control everything. He needs to get somebody in charge of the locker room. He needs an HR guy. He needs like a corporate figure to be there to make sure that this crap does not happen again and again and again. 
Because if it does, AEW is just going to look worse and worse and worse. And it's so weird because it's like, you know, a lot of the fans are kind of jumping off the AEW bandwagon. But when you look at the product and you look at the matches that they've had, they've had some pretty good matches um, this year, especially since the whole thing with Chicago. You know, the the talent was able to put that away, put that behind them, and now you get this one incident. And is it possible that Sammy presses charges? Maybe. I mean, it could be possible, but I don't know if he would. Plus, it happened in Washington, D.C., and, you know, I lived in D.C. for a long time. I'm not really sure if you want to go through that whole process with Washington, D.C., but that's just me. Um, I think with both of them, Sammy Guevara, if he has a problem with somebody, should not take it up on Twitter. Should not take it up on any instant, you know, uh, social media. Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook, uh, whatever. Doesn't need to do that. If he's got a problem, he's got to take it up with somebody. Not dish it out in public. And Andrade, he's got to come up with a better way to say, look, I'd like to leave. Um, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. You got to be professional. You have to be professional. And unfortunately, neither one of them, well, at least for Andrade anyway, he did not remember to be professional on Wednesday. And um, that's going to bite him in the ass when it comes to if WWE decides to bring him back or not. Okay, now that we've got the news out of the way... Um, that last story, anyway. Let's talk about... We got two big shows this weekend. Uh, tonight, Bound for Glory, Albany, New York, doing a Friday night pay-per-view. Very odd for Impact to do... Well, at least a big pay-per-view like this. And... I just want to bring this up, uh, the, the card itself... Tonight, they're going to induct their newest inductee into the Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame in Raven. And this is one that I am in full support of. This is a great choice because Raven made, pardon the pun here, a huge impact in the company in its early years when he was let go by WWE. My God, he, I, you know, it was like, Raven comes in, he has a, you know, fresh, it's fresh, brand new life. And, you know, he had that great chase for the NWA World Heavyweight title. And it's like, okay, he's going to get it soon. He's going to get it soon. And it's like, just when you think he's going to get it, something happens. But Raven is going into their Hall of Fame tonight. Um, Raven really was a big part of the success of TNA and impact in the early years. I, I, he definitely deserves it. Now to the card itself, uh, on the countdown to bound for glory, Brian Myers is having an open challenge for the digital media championship. Don't know who that's going to be against, but we'll see. 
Uh, then to the main show, it is the Call Your Shot Gauntlet. It will be 20 people involved, the last man or woman standing. Well, it's kind of like money in the bank, folks. They can call their shot anytime they want for a title match. So here are, as of this recording, the participants for this match. PCO, Rich Swan, Giselle Shaw, Heath, Bupinder Gujar, Bobby Fish, Moose, Steve Macklin, Sammy Callahan, Killer Kelly, Tasha Steeles, Savannah Evans, Eric Young, and Joe Hendry, with five mystery competitors to be revealed during the match. That should be a fun one, and in the fact that, you know, you win this match, and you're guaranteed to have a title match like that. I mean, and and it does go back to last year, because Moose did win it, and then he cashed it in the same night, winning the world title from Josh Alexander, so... Should be pretty interesting there. Uh, Mia Yim goes up against Mickey James. Of course, uh, Mickey James is in this situation where the next match she loses, her career is over. So we'll. I, I don't think Mickey's going to lose this one. I don't think she's going to lose this match tonight over Mia Yim. Although Mia's a very good wrestler, I just don't see her losing the title. The Knockouts Tag Team titles will be on the line. VXT of Chelsea Green and Deanna Perrazzo defend against... Members of the Death Dolls in Taya Valkyrie and Jessica. Uh, I'm going to say VXT retains the tag titles on this one. The X Division title is on the line as Speedball Mike Bailey defends against Frankie Kazarian. This should be a really good match. Uh, I'm going to say Mike Bailey retains the X Division title on that one. The World Tag Team titles are going to be on the line. The Kingdom, Matt Taven and Michael Bennett face the Motor City Machine Guns. Um, I'm going to go... Excuse me. I'm going to go with Bennett and Taven on this one uh, to retain the tag team titles. The Knockouts Championship is on the line. Jordan Grace defends against Masha Slamovich. If... There is a title change. I think this is the one that you're going to get the title change. I think Masha Slamovich wins the Knockouts title tonight and becomes the new Knockouts champion. And the main event for Bound for Glory, Josh Alexander defends the Impact World title against Eddie Edwards. Uh, this is a hard one to pick, but I think, Ale- I think Josh Alexander is going to retain the title. I think... He's been a pretty good champion, and he's going to hold on to the title and beat Eddie Edwards on that one. If you are thinking of going to the event in Albany, New York, tickets are still available, believe it or not. Uh, General admission uh, tickets currently on sale at Ticketmaster. $31.45 is the price for the general admission tickets. It is at the Washington Avenue Armory in Albany, New York tonight. Are bound for glory. Then we go to Saturday night with Extreme Rules. And as of this recording, 
There are six matches for this one, and guess what? Each match has a stipulation to the match. Holy cow! Can you believe it? It's it's Extreme Rules, and, and each match has a stipulation. Oh my gosh. Well, let's go through each of them. Uh, the Brawling Brutes are going to face Imperium in a six-man tag team good old-fashioned Donnybrook match. I am going... I think I'm going to go with the Brawling Brutes on this one, actually, to win this match. Uh, I, this is going to be fun. Actually, the, the rivalry that these two have had have been kind of fun to watch as of late. So I'm going to say the Brawling Brutes win that one. Edge faces Finn Balor in an I Quit match. I got. I would think Edge wins this one. I, I, I really think Edge is going to take this match over Finn Balor, but I could be wrong. Drew McIntyre faces Karrion Cross in a strap match. I am going with Karrion Cross to win this one. Um, he hasn't really had many matches, so I think he needs a match to win here, and I think this is going to be the one that he gets the win in. How about that? Then we have the Fight Pit, where Matt Riddle is going to face Seth Rollins. Daniel Cormier is the guest referee for this fight, and I do say fight. I am going with Matt Riddle on this one to beat Seth Rollins. The Raw Women's Championship will be on the line in a ladder match. Bianca Belair to defend against Bailey. This is a hard one because Bianca, you know, she's had this run since WrestleMania, but Bailey, you know, they 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 were they were in a feud before Bailey got hurt last year, and I think if if you're going to take the title off of Bianca. This is the time to do it. I really think this is the time to do it. I'm going to say Bailey wins the Raw Women's title in this ladder match. And the SmackDown Women's title is on the line in an Extreme Rules match. Liv Morgan defends against Ronda Rousey. I, it, it's got to be Ronda, right? I mean, I can't see Liv Morgan holding on to the title for too much longer. I think Ronda Rousey is going to win back the SmackDown women's title. So I think we're going to get a pair of new women's champions this Saturday night at Extreme Rules. One more thing I want to talk about, and then we're going to wrap up the show for this week, is... The brand new show, Tales from the Territories, that premiered on Vice Tuesday night. I actually happened to watch it last night. I don't have Vice right now um, on, on my house, but uh, I was able to watch the first episode on YouTube, and it was about the Memphis Territory. Oh my goodness, that one was so much fun to watch. Um... So, without giving away too many spoilers, you have a group of people sitting around at a table basically telling stories. So, this one was Jimmy Hart, Jeff Jarrett, Jerry Jarrett, Dutch Mantel, and Jerry the King Lawler. 
and they talked about the different stories that happened in Memphis. The one that shocked me the most, and I never heard this story before. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this has to be fake. This story has to be fake. But it's true. Um, so this is like the only thing I'm going to say, like the only one I'm going to say in this episode, because I do want you guys to watch it. So Jerry Jarrett has a match with Jerry the King Lawler. At the end of the match, a wrestler comes into the ring and Apparently, the other promoter, Nick Goul- or Roy Welch at the time, he had heard about, you know, that Jerry was going to try to take the promotion away from him. So he got this, um, he he got this wrestler to come in, and was like, "You got to take him out. You you have to take him out." So he comes in the ring and he hits Jerry Jarrett from behind. And Jerry gets up and he, he's like, well, you know, when I was younger, you know, we were taught that people that are on the seas, they're the toughest fighters. And he talked about how, like, okay, the, the bones in your hand are the weakest bones in your body. And, and he mentions all of this stuff. So he goes running and he takes the guy's eye out. I am not kidding. He took a man's eye out. I'm like, holy cow. He took a guy's eye out. (laughs) And it's like, you know, he's got blood. Um you know, coming out of his face and he had to get a, a, you know, a fake eye for the rest of his life. And it's like, Oh my God, he did this. Holy crap. I don't want to mess with Jerry Jarrett, but you do have to watch it folks. It's a really good, uh, show. If, if, if you're into the old school or even if you want to learn, the old school of wrestling. This is a good show. I w- I'm, I'm going to put it up on our Facebook group. So everyone can watch the first episode. Have a good time. Laugh. Um, be frightened. And remember to never make Jerry Jarrett upset. Because he can take your eye out. Literally. Can take your eye out. Don't take him off. All right, well, that will do it uh, for the show this week. Uh, Just remember, do not ever uh, tick off Jerry Jarrett. He will rip your eye out. Um, (laughs) uh, If you guys have any questions or comments, send an email, wrestlingman at thatwrestlingshow.com. You do send it. I will read your questions or your comments on the show and maybe you'll get an answer from me. Who knows? Um, follow the show on Twitter, Wrestling Show 11. Follow us on Instagram, 
That Wrestling Show. And join our Facebook group. It is That Wrestling Show fan group where we have over 500 Facebook members that you guys can discuss anything and everything pro wrestling. Now to the podcast that you guys should check out. Friends of the podcasts and you know other shows you should check out. Starting with our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast with Joe Murata and Michael Quinn. Uh, they wrapped up their season this week with a very good topic. The internet and wrestling and how the internet ruined pro wrestling. Is that true or false? We'll leave that judgment up to you. Plus, another watch along of Championship Wrestling as they're on the road to some event called Wrestlemania? You guys ever heard of that? Wrestlemania? Hmm. Anyway, check them out. And, again, they're the only podcast that gets this plug. If you sign up for their Patreon and you get the $5 tier, this weekend, this weekend, they are coming out with a pay-per-view review of In Your House 4, the event that, well, Vince McMahon was so mad he... Threw his headset down when the pay-per-view was over. That's on our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Also check out Greetings from Allentown, GFA Live with Peter Winston and Don Keithy. As this week, they are watching the 1992 WWF SummerSlam Spectacular as they're getting ready for SummerSlam. Also check out Juice Pro Wrestling as this week, Sredden and Bodie discuss the ongoing JPW 31 Days of Fear project, plus they talk about horror gimmicks in professional wrestling and so much more. Also, check out the Memphis Continental Wrestling cast with Luke Jennings as he is going in a time warp uh, as a late, watching different wrestling shows. Uh, Luke, if you're listening to this, uh, maybe we can hook up, do a, do a show together. We could watch some wrestling, you know, you over in England, me here in the United States. We could have some fun, but check it out anyway. The Memphis Continental Wrestling Cast. And also check out the DK and Bill Wrestling Podcast with myself and DK. As this week, we did a watch-along to commemorate the 25th anniversary of the original Hell in a Cell match. Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker, we did a watch-along of that Join us on the DK and Bill Wrestling Podcast. If you're looking for non-wrestling-related podcasts, check out the Best Pick Movie Podcast with Tom, John, and Jess. This week, they sit down to discuss the movie Cactus Flower. That is this week on the Best Pick Movie Podcast. Also, check out Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al Podcast as they discuss the world premiere of the Weird Al movie at the Toronto International Film Festival. Their thoughts, check it out on Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch uh, Weird Al podcast. Also, check out the Three Stooges Throwback Podcast with former guest Gabe Russo, as this week he reviews and watches the 49th Three Stooges short from Nurse to Worse. That is this week on the Three Stooges Throwback podcast also check out escape from vault disney where it is part two of an interview with luke as they are getting closer to their 100th episode that 100th episode's coming out next week i'm not going to spoil what it is i want you guys to be surprised if you don't follow the podcast 
uh, a new podcast to, uh, for you guys to check out for you sports fans. It is called For Your Reference, a sports reference podcast. This week, they discuss the 25th Infantry Wreckers, a baseball team, and they had some pretty good players on that team. Check it out. For Your Reference, a sports reference podcast. Also, check out Shark's Pond, a South Park podcast where I watch and review each and every South Park episode. This week, I review the season 16 episode, A Scores for Applause. That is this week on Shark's Pond, a South Park podcast. And finally, check out Bill Learns Kingdom Hearts with myself and Jim as we discuss the video game Kingdom Hearts 2. We are coming down to the end of Season 3, believe it or not, of Bill Learns Kingdom Hearts. There's only, including the one coming out this weekend, four more episodes left in Season 3 of Bill Learns Kingdom Hearts. Absolutely crazy. Well, next week, going to review Extreme Rules. Going to talk about that, give my thoughts on that show, and what other wrestling news comes up during the week. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this episode of That Wrestling Show, the podcast where all pro wrestling matters. Have a wonderful weekend, and until next time, wrestle on!